Hey, John. Um, do you remember when we kind of started putting the Wheel and Podcast together, how we talked about that we're not always going to cover just 4x4s, but we're going to cover different types of off-road vehicles? Oh, yeah. And I know throughout the last about four or five months of doing this podcast, we have talked about things like uh, motorcycles a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've even talked about horses briefly, um, yeah. you know, different off-road vehicles. I got thinking the other day when I was down at the Mora. Okay, now uh, you obviously you're familiar with the Mora. You sit on the board. No, no. Well, why don't you tell me about? Uh, it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. The Museum of Off Road Adventure. Oh, uh, that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Located in uh, Clay Township, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, what many of the visitors to the Mora know, uh, but maybe our listeners don't always know if they haven't been there yet, is we share a space. We share mm-hmm. a space with another event. Cohabitate. Yeah, cohabitate. I like that. I like that word. <laughs> Called the History of the Christmas Tree Walk. And this is an event that's been going on for like 16 years. And they use the front half of the Mora building mm-hmm. as a staging area um, for busing down to their event. Yep. So um, last year when the Christmas Walk was going on, um, about two-thirds of the Christmas Walk visitors went through the Mora. So we had like 2,000, 3,000 people go through the... Explains uh, all the fingerprints on the windows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I got thinking the other day when I was down there, and I was looking around at the moor, and I was looking around at the staging area for the Christmas walk, which is is getting all set up for this year's event. Mm-hmm. And I got thinking, do you remember what your first off-road vehicle is? Ooh. I mean, do I, do I count what I rode in or what I drove in? Well, I would say, what was the first vehicle you ever used? To do something off road, my, my dad's old Dakota. Even before that, anything? Mm, I mean, tra- lawn tractors. Used to get on the old lawnmower and drive that around. Oh, that kind of counts. <laughs> what I got thinking about because I was going down the uh, the hallway there, mm-hmm. and I was looking at some displays that are for the Christmas walk, and I got looking at them, and I said, you know what? In the northern climates. Uh, in all over the world where we have snow and mountainous areas and things like that i bet a lot of people's first off-road vehicle is a sled oh yeah i never thought of that i mean how old were you the first time you went sledding (laughs) i don't know i don't remember that far back you don't remember that exactly i don't remember what i had for breakfast i was probably Uh, one or two yeah and i would like to bring on the podcast today miss diane codette who is my mother of course who runs the Christmas Walk event, and she can talk to us a little about sleds and talk to us a little bit about the um, the Christmas Walk event. Sounds you, like a plan. You like this idea? Yeah. All right, let's do this. Sounds good. It's time to hit the trail. Lock in those hubs and throw it into low range because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. All right. We're in the Thin Line Off-Road Studio with Diane Codette, my mom. Mom, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just lovely. How about you? <laughs> we dragged it down here, yeah. Um, we really appreciate you coming in to talk to us. 
Um, you know, John's a fan of the Christmas walk. He's been oh, yeah. through it a couple of times. Um, to, to start off, before we start talking about our topic, about sleds and things like that, we know you have a, an extensive collection of those as part of your Christmas collection. Can you kind of just tell us in your own words a little bit of what the Christmas walk is all about and what the history of it is? Well, hold on now. Before we get into that, I want to hear more about Keith when he was younger. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to, I'm sure you knew him at one point when he had hair. Yeah, he did that. He did have quite a lot of hair at one time, but... Um, he ever have a mullet? No, he never had a mullet. That disappoints me. <laughs> Some redneck you are. <laughs> exactly. He did have a partial afro, though. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, really? I, I think that was my older brother, wasn't no, it? No, you too. Uh, did <laughs> I really? Don't try and change the subject here, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, all right, all right. So, back, back on point. Back on point. <laughs> what is the Christmas Walk event? How did it get started? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the Christmas Walk. Well, it's called the History of the Christmas Tree Walk, and the reason we called it that is because it's relaying the history of how people decorated trees in the United States starting from about the 1850s to the present. Um, I'm saying 1850s because before that, people didn't really celebrate Christmas in the United States. Mm. Um, there are some traditions that take place over in Europe where people in the United States, especially the Pennsylvania Dutch, um, brought those traditions with them, and they were some of the first that actually celebrated Christmas here. Hmm. Um, but the Christmas walk sort of tells the story of the different kinds of trees, ornaments, decorations um, that have graced the trees of people ever since then. That's really cool. Um, you said so. You said Pennsylvania Dutch. That's Amish people, correct? Um, not necessarily. No. What's the difference? I'm not real sure. Okay, you're not <laughs> real sure. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so you know, we we and when they do the Christmas walk every year, when you do the Christmas walk every year, what do um, just kind of walk us through what a visitor would do when they go through the well, Christmas they, walk? They walk. Well, of course they walk, John. <laughs> Come on, it's in the title, Keith. Yes, oh, yes. <laughs> well, a lot of people think that is a walk outside. However, it's not. It's a walk inside. It's actually my home, um, but my home's only open to the public during the month of December and certain days. Um, they actually come to a log home, uh, a rather large one, and on inside the home there are over 220 decorated trees that's a lot of trees. <laughs> Representing all different decades. And also, because we're up to so many for now, um, we also have different theme trees. Hmm. You know, a bear tree, an angel tree. We also have trees that are decorated with certain ornaments from a certain manufacturing during oh. a time period, like Shiny Bright, which, you know, was very popular after World War II. Uh, they come to the house. They kind of have a leisurely stroll through the house on all the levels and take a look at the trees and have a chance to kind of reminisce about trees and ornaments and how they celebrated Christmas and from their childhood as well. Are there milk and cookies provided at this? No, actually oh. there's not. We do sell some <laughs> snacks, oh, cool. small little things, but in general, no. We don't have, we don't have any treats. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Uh, so... This sounds, you know, I've obviously I've been involved with the Christmas walk for many, many years, and it uh, it's just an awesome event. And I, you know, myself, I go down through, and I usually drive the bus, and you know, I may have had a hand in playing some jolly red characters in the past. 
It's um, concerning. <laughs> it scares me. Yeah, but uh, it scared the kids too. That's why we quit doing it. Uh, <laughs> see, I can see you more as like Krampus or something like that. Well, he actually but. was an old world Santa with a oh. long robes and the way they would One look. Of the Father Christmas yes. type thing. Yes. Nice. Okay. Yep. You have never seen the pictures? No, I haven't. There's pictures? Yeah, there's pictures. <laughs> oh, we have to find this I'll later. I'll have to show you sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's, it's the most hairy you'll ever see on me. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> you mean hair on your head, I hope. Yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> okay, um, back to the to the topic at point. Um so, you know, when we were talking about these very first off-road vehicles, you know, way before we had cars, way before we had trucks, even before we had uh, trains and airplanes and all those things, um, people had vehicles, at least for the winter, mm. and they had things such as toboggans and sleighs and sleds. But I got thinking about it when I was looking at that row of vintage sleds mm. down at the staging area for the Christmas walk event, and... I went and I asked you, of course, uh, Ma, I asked you, I said, where did these start? Where did, at least where did the, the commercial side of things start? Like, you know, how did sleds get tied to Christmas and wintertime and all that? But even before that, um, apparently, you know, sleds and sleighs and things like that go way, way back. Uh, where, when, when's the first uh, recorded, like, history of the sled and people using them? Well, uh, for the first recorded history of sleds or sleighs, as you said, or they call them in England sledges, um, was really an ancient history. Um, it's been shown that even the Egyptians used them. Um, they found a partial sled in a Viking ship that was discovered. Hmm. Now, but these early ones are not ones with runners. Um, they were ones that had would be more like our toboggans today, but shorter. Okay. And they didn't normally transport people. They were used to transport goods. And it would be in northern areas where there was a lot of snow or there was snow cover most of the year, and they were used for transporting goods across the ice and snow, which was easier than something that had a different, you know, a different form on it. Um, from those, you know, they developed into the, the sleds that we know today, and that really, the first time they really started using sleds for sports um, was in the mid-19th century in St. Moritz, Switzerland. And that was a very popular tourist destination. And people had were watching those that had delivery sleds deliver goods back and forth to the hotels, different places. And they adapted them for recreational pur purposes oh. From there, it kind of quickly spread across Europe and eventually to the United States. About what time period was that when they started to, you know, kind of go from being just a utilitarian vehicle to something that they use for fun? About the mid 19th century, so you know, 1850s, 1860s, nice, mm -hmm. something like that. Now, you know, those first ones were probably utilitarian sleds and homemade things that were crossed over, but it was. Was there a definitive point in which um, somebody started marketing sleds for fun, for use, you know, for people just to buy? Yeah, recreation, for recreational use. Um, yes, there was. And as far as the uh, recreational use of the sleds in 
other places than the United States. There's not a whole lot of information out there. They were more homemade. They were more, um, you know, people just making them from things that they had. But the first really large-scale manufacturer of sporting sleds in the United States um, was in the, in the, excuse me, in the 1860s. And uh, now, actually, there, this guy was an Amishman, and his name was Henry Franklin Morton, and he started what was called Paris Manufacturing. Hmm. Um, and his sleds today can be worth up to $3,000 a piece, depending wow. on the condition. Cool. Um, he did very ornate, hand-painted imagery with scenes and elaborate you know, painting on them. And if you can find them today in good condition, they can be quite valuable. So he was, he was really the one that was first attributed to commercially manufacturing them in the United States. That's really interesting. Yeah. Do you have one of those uh, early ones in the collection? No, unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> so we got to find you one then. Right? I don't have one painted like that. Hopefully, someday I'll at a Salvation Army or a <laughs> flea yeah. market. You never know. You uh, never oh, know. Yeah, I'd love to. You never know what'll show up in those flea markets. That would be. That's where a lot of different things come from the oh, yeah. collection. Does do they not from your your uh, history of the Christmas tree collection? Yes, they do. And then from gifts from people and garage sales, all different kinds of. You know, locations. So like it's amazing that. what you can find at some of those places of historic value that are just, yeah, you know, this hung on the wall at Grandma's house forever. And, exactly. You know, we're just clearing out. Most of the sleds that we have at the location where the Christmas walk is came from one gentleman who had them all stored in his barn. Hmm. And he was just tired of collecting them. So yeah. he sold them to us at a very cheap price. And cool. Very cool. Um, makes a nice little display for the Christmas walk. Now, most of the ones that are over there, those are the ones that are what called runner sleds, aren't they? Where they're steerable, where they have like something on them? Yes, that's correct. Are the runners the ones with the rails on the bottom? Yes, they're the, oh, okay. they're the ones. Well, th yes, they are. And the steerable ones have a bar on the front that can either be steer steer steered. Is that the right word? <laughs> Yeah. Storn? No, I don't no, know. I think it's, yeah, I think Steered it's with your feet, steer. or if you're going downhill face first, you can steer them with your hands. Huh. Now, prior prior to those steerable sleds, um, uh, you know, was there anything else, you know, maybe towards the end of the 1800s or going into the industrial, you know, the automotive age, was there any other types of sleds uh, of, of note that you'd like to mention? Yes, there was. From, from about 1869 to the 1920s, the Garten Toy Manufacturing Company produced sleds that, with decks on them, and they were painted a beautiful red, and they became known as Garten Reds. Hmm. Um, but really the one that really took off and made sledding in the United States a very popular pastime was in 19, or excuse me, 1889 when, when Samuel Leeds Allen developed the first steerable one. We were just talking about the front there. And it was called the Flexible Flyer. A lot hmm. of people have heard of those, I think. Oh, yeah. I've heard the name. the yeah. company was located in New Jersey. And nice. Samuel was an implement manufacturer of farm implements. And he designed the first sled from his own sledding experiences, probably with homemade sleds. And then he had his children test new models. <laughs> And the main reason he did it was because manufacturing the farm implements was seasonal, and he mm. wanted to keep his employees 
employed during the winter doing something else. So they were making the sleds. Just keep everything more in house. Exactly. If there's quality At control its problem. Peak, they, just... they were doing up to ten thousand sleds a day, which is a lot. Now you may or may not know um, that flexible flyer uh, name that was, I believe, also used in early automobiles and buses. Was that the same manufacturer, or is that just just happens to be a? You're um, talking about Garten. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know the name of the person, but there was actually a uh, early 19 teens vehicle called a flexible flyer. And I don't was, know that. No. There was also okay. Yeah, I was just curious on that if you happen to know that or not. To me, it sounds like it'd be more plane or something flyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there was uh, there was some different names there, and there was also the flexible bus company, but it was spelled differently. Ah, gotcha. An interesting fact about those flexible flyers. Um, the gentleman who designed them was a real marketer. So what he did was he provided six sleds for Admiral Richard Byrd's expedition to the North Pole. Hmm. And then he offered the exact same sled to eager boys and girls for only $8.75. And huh. that just made a, you know, made a great difference in the sales that he had. And they were made well into the 1970s. Huh. So that they took them all the way up on one of Byrd's expeditions which that's an interesting tie also to the off-road world because um admiral bird uh we spoke about i don't remember what episode it was quite a while ago um where he built that snow cruiser in antarctica remember that if i remember right there's uh, a dive company that i know a bunch of people used to work there and every year they make a trip following in some of the trails of him admiral bird Huh. I believe I might be thinking of the wrong name, but I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Yeah, and they, that's some real rugged off-roading there in, oh, those, yeah. in those icy, oh, wintery yeah. climates. Um, I bet we're probably getting close to about that break time right now. Um, Producer Andrew's nodding yes. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue on the story. And this is, this is pretty interesting stuff. Absolutely. Sounds good. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Tis the season for the annual History of Christmas Tree Walk in Algonac, Michigan. There are 16 days to choose from this year. Visit December 6th through 9th, 13th through 16th, 20th through 23rd, or 27th through 30th to see over 200 trees displayed inside a gorgeous 9,500 square foot log home. For more details, go to thechristmaswalk.com or call 810-794-2300. For fun food to put you in a festive mood, visit Fox Fire Fixin's restaurant in marine city before or after the walk welcome back to wheeling with keith and johnny orange today we have a special guest in studio mrs diane codette yeah welcome back um so you know before break we were talking about the sleds up to the 1970s and you had mentioned to us that the sledding itself had gone from not just a pastime a winter pastime to actually being a sport at different points or still is a sport. That's correct. Um, and even today, the sledding is the basis for three Olympic sports. Um, I don't know how you say it. Luge? Is that how you Luge. say it? Luge. Luge. Yep. Skeleton, which is a metal sled, one person, that a driver drives head first. That sounds terrifying. I was always fascinated by that. <laughs> I don't I've know never, why. I've but... never even seen it or heard of it. Oh, it's awesome. It looks so sketchy, but it looks like fun. <laughs> you you ride on a one rail sled head first. A one person yeah. sled. Yeah, it's got the two rails, and you just you watch them. It's just like the bobsledding. They run, and then they kind of jump on it and put their hands like to their sides, and just 
It's crazy cool. Okay, everything <laughs> I know about bobsledding came from the movie Cool Runnings. I was going to get to that one. Where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I am not a cold weather person. Oh, I love cold weather. Yeah, I know you do. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, all right, we kind of cut you off there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you were talking about, you know, these how it's an Olympic sport, or, or, you know, that is an Olympic sport, I know, the bobsledding. Um yeah, that was the third one. She was mentioning the three, and we kind of stole the third yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> bobsledding is the third. So oh, okay. There's All right. also um, recreationally um, where they use it on sand, and that's usually called sandboarding. That's cool. But instead of, instead of um, having metal runners, it'll have a smooth bottom. And that's that, awesome. And there also are some sl- sleds out there today that were made by the called Flexi Racers, starting in the 1930s all the way through the 70s, kind of the heyday of the sleds, which had wheels, hmm. and they would take you down hills without snow. So Cool. That, that Once again, that sounds sketchy. So that, that that's uh, Probably going to hurt myself, but so I'd that's, try it. That sounds like going down a hill on a furniture cart. <laughs> and... <laughs> I don't, I don't do, we, do either one of you know the uh, famous Christmas... Classic that features a flexible f- flyer in it. Um, not off the top of my head. Is, is that the one with Rosebud? It's the one, the Christmas Story. Oh, Christmas oh. Story! Mm-hmm. I've toured that house. Uh, it's in Cleveland, I think, if I remember right. But um, they have a flexible flyer in that one. Yes. Huh. Cool. The uh, what? Do you know what the one is in that movie? What, what's the movie where you get Rosebud? The old black and white one with. Uh, Oh man, does anybody know what I'm talking about I mean, here? White Christmas? No, no, um, it's that that classic film with. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name now. All right, all right, off. Topic. I know the movie. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. No, the, uh, I, 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 I don't it's, know. It's it. the guy who did the War of the Worlds. Orson Welles. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. There's idea. that movie where the entire movie is him obsessed with his sled rosebud from. No, I didn't know that one. Oh. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. All right, you guys are all looking at me like I'm crazy. I mean, I'm hoping I just didn't dream this up or something, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what you're talking about. but <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, sledding itself over the years has gone from those metal rail ones, now the plastic sleds, of course, and, and you don't particularly collect the new plastic sleds or anything like that for the Christmas collection, do you? No, we don't. But actually, the if, if you're... My age, you remember the round saucers, the flying saucers that were made out of first metal and then plastic. I remember a movie and, with one of those. And that's mostly <laughs> what I remember from sledding was more using those when I was growing up. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, in, uh, the movie you're referring to would be Christmas <laughs> Vacation where yes. he puts his non-nutritive cereal varnish on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Goes hey, they go off-roading in a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I, I, it is a type of off-roading. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that our listeners today are probably wondering, what the heck are these people talking about today? But it's actually something fun. Like I didn't know any of this history of this stuff. And I, I didn't either. It's fascinating. I always, I always like hearing about it. I, I will say this. I was looking at the notes when you mentioned about uh, Samuel Leeds Allen. Mm-hmm. I got excited. I saw Samuel L. and just thought of Jackson. I thought, hey, we finally know what the L stands for. And then I finished reading. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, not even, not even remotely close. <laughs> um, you know, you know, sleds. Are there people that collect besides yourself? You, you collect the, uh, you know, mostly your Christmas ornaments and your Christmas memorabilia. And the sleds was kind of a, a side thing that you, you brought into the Christmas collection. But are, are there resources out there for people who would maybe be interested in collecting vintage sleds? 
Yes, there is. There's one really good reference book. Um, it's a Schiffer book. If if you're into antiques, you know that they cover a lot of different subjects, you know, antique subjects. But there is one specifically about sleds, and it's written by Joan Palicia, hmm. and it's called Flexible Flyer and Other Great Sleds for Collectors. Cool. And it lists values of sleds and, you know, more about the manufacturers and all of that if you're really into collecting some. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... Uh... Um, you know, the, I, I, I would probably have never guessed that somebody had written a book about collecting sleds, but somebody I, collects I everything. Oh, there's something out there for everybody. I know that much. There, I've come across some odd stuff in the past. <laughs> you know, we want to talk a little bit more about some of the Christmas stuff, because this is kind of our Christmas episode going into, into this. But uh, what other types of maybe hot ticket points would you have uh, of interest about sleds? You know, things that... You know, uh, maybe some history, fun facts, anything like that? Yeah, a couple. Um, I think I find it interesting that in the 1800s in Canada, our neighbor, in fact, right now I'm sitting here looking across the river at Canada. Yes, you are. With yep. snow that we could go sledding on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, in the 1800s, when people went tobogganing, which is another form of sledding, um, it was thought to be a high fashion sport. Hmm. And they would put on their best clothing, the ladies and the men, and wear their fancy top hats to go sledding on the hills. Wow. I, we, we need to bring that back. And then another very interesting fact is that, and this one would be a lot of fun, would be it's the longest toboggan run in the world. It's found in Switzerland. You have to take a 25-minute gondola ride I'm and okay a two-hour hike. Until you reach the start of the run. <laughs> two hours to walk, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> a two-hour hike, and then... And then once you're there, as a pun goes, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> but it takes... It's 15 kilometers long. I don't know how many miles that is exactly. Uh, that would be about nine miles. I'm, I'm bad at math. I'll take your word for yeah, it. That's a, that's but a, it takes about one hour to complete that. See, now that part sounds fun. The two-hour walk, not so much, but the, the rest sounds great. <laughs> now, I think it'd be a great one to do. You know, We could go back and do it like the 1800s and dressed in our very best clothes and do that one. So that means jeans without holes and yeah, well, T-shirt without that. holes. No sweatpants, John. No Don't sweat. wear sweatpants. I hate sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I really appreciate you coming and talking to us about this. Um you know, are we missing anything else? John, did you have any questions about sleds, sleighs? Not that comes immediately to mind. I mean, there, there's so much more to this than I ever expected. I mean, just the history of it. I never knew when it started. You know, I, I remember when I was younger, this may not have been the safest thing to do, but we used to tie a, a sled or I guess it'd be a sled to the back of the four-wheeler and drive around with it with people on it. Oh, yeah. Definitely not the safest when they have to stop abruptly. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, every fun. year in the United States, over 30,000 children are injured while sledding, Oof. with 1 in 25 requiring hospitalization. So it's Ouch. not one of the safest sports out there. No, no. <laughs> I can understand why. <laughs> Especially with the ones with runners. A lot of injuries yeah. with the hands, the feet, the metal hmm. runners. So. so when you were a kid growing up, did you absolutely just love sledding? 
No, I absolutely hated southern. <laughs> Anything that has to do with winter and cold. Well, That's where you get it from. Exactly. <laughs> Runs in the family, absolutely. Um, so the Christmas Walk Collection, going back to that for a minute then, um, unless, John, unless you had any other questions or anything about okay. Um, going back to the Christmas Walk Collection and, you know, visitors come in, like, what is your Absolute. I know it's not the sleds, and we really appreciate you doing a little bit of research mm-hmm. and bringing the information that you have it's as well about it. Fascinating to learn this stuff. What is what is the your favorite part about the whole Christmas walk? I would say seeing the people just delight in. They pick out a particular tree of the two hundred over two hundred trees, and they recognize ornaments they had when they were children. Mm-hmm. And it could be an eighty year old person, you know, recognizing what they saw as kids kids or it could be a 20 year old because we have trees that span all of those decades uh, i think that's the part i like the best just seeing people smile and kind of get in the christmas spirit and, and i and i enjoy seeing them return year after year because some families make it a yearly tradition I, awesome. I know they do now our listeners are probably going to want to know where they can find more information about the christmas walk event and collection where would be the best place for them to go for that well if they're driving right now and listening to your podcast and can't write down a lot um, it's easy to remember our website which is thechristmaswalk.com just thechristmaswalk.com that will tell you all the dates were open the times the ticket prices and all that kind of information they can also call 810 810- Seven nine four two three zero zero to purchase tickets or to get any kind of information that they would like. Um, tickets are also sold at Fox Fire Fixins Restaurant located in Marine City. And that's Marine City, Michigan. Um, we are we do have listeners worldwide, but we have a lot of listeners as well in Michigan. So if you're coming to the Thumb area of Michigan for the Christmas Walk event, um, you definitely want to get enough time in to go to Foxfire Fixins for dinner. Fantastic food. Yeah, we've talked about Foxfire before on the podcast. Um, for our listeners here, Diane actually owns the Foxfire Fixins restaurant as well. And so, you know, which has been a supporter of the Museum of Off-Road Adventure. You've had fundraisers. In fact, we've talked about that before on the podcast. You've had fundraisers for the Off-Road Museum at the restaurant, um, raised quite a bit of money for us. And uh, this is actually a really great, good time for us to thank you personally. Really appreciate, really appreciate you. you doing that. Thank you. So I would like to mention one thing that if they want to save a little bit of money, um, tickets are discounted through the end of November hmm. um, by calling, as I said, 810-794-2300 as of December 1st, or if you buy them the night you come to the Christmas walk, then the price does go up a couple dollars. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else about the Christmas walk? Well, they, they've got that. they got that information there. And like you said, they, there's a website, thechristmaswalk.com. Um, if visitors are coming... Um, the the staging address area is uh, the 8061 Marsh Road um, address, which is the same building that the Museum of Offroad Adventure is 
uh, staged in. So that's uh, 8061 Marsh Road, Clay Township, Michigan. If you're coming during one of the nights of the Christmas walk, the morrow will be open free of charge. You can go through the off-road museum as well and check that out while you're waiting for your bus to go down to the Christmas walk event. Um, at the Christmas walk, how long do most visitors expect to spend going through uh, the um, the entire Christmas walk and through the house? Well, since it's on your own, you can spend as little or as much time as you want. But I would say most people spend at least an hour, um, and some people spend as long as two hours. Is there like a, a guided tour option or anything like that, or somebody who's kind of can tour people around? It's not really a guided tour, but okay. we do have guides, meaning people, um, who are located in all rooms of the home hmm. to answer questions that the visitors might have, but by each of the trees, there is a signboard that explains what cool. the tree represents and the history of whatever's on that Very tree. Cool. That's awesome. That sounds pretty neat. Yeah. Um, or it is pretty neat. I like say sounds. <laughs> I, 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 I'm in that moment right now where I'm, I'm trying to be an interviewer, but I'm also very involved in this event. So <laughs> I, I know exactly how, you know, it's just a little fumble yeah. there, but that's all right. Um, so at the, uh, the Christmas walk, you're saying an hour or two they might spend. So this could be a whole evening. If somebody wanted to make like a trifecta of a great little evening or something to do, go to Fox Fire Fixins, come down, see the Off-Road Museum, which most people spend about mm -hmm. 20 to 30 minutes going through because it's a small museum right now. Um, go through the Off-Road Museum, spend an hour or two at the Christmas walk, you know, three, four hours. That's a great evening for Absolutely. somebody. Nice winter event. Um, what are the dates of the event this year? Um, they're, well, they're pretty much all through December, like Thursday through Monday. Is, is that what it is for the most part? Yes, and all the dates are on the website. tells exactly. We're not open every day of the week, so it's best to go on the website and check out the dates that we are open. You're open something like, uh, what, 15? About Yeah, about 15 days during December. And that's cool. December only. This is not a year-round event. So Plenty of options to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, once again, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, it's about time for our break again, but, you know, thank you very much for yes, all of your you. information. Much appreciated. Thank you. Some very cool information. I'm going to go out and do some sledding know. in the snow. Sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those two. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard to find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. Well, John, I actually had some fun doing that. You know, Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a couple distinctions there I got thinking about during the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, this is technically, of course, the first family member I've had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of you like a brother, but this is my first, you know, blood <laughs> relation here. I see how it is. And it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Diane Codette now has the distinction of being the first female voice that's ever been on the Wheel and Podcast. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. We've had other guests. We've interviewed people over the phone. We've had guests in studio. But this mm-hmm. is the first time we've had a female. So yeah, well, welcome. You know, so that that's pretty cool. I know we're working on a surprise guest for uh, hopefully the next few episodes. I'm not going to mention a name yet. Got to get everything locked in with her first. But that'll uh, that'll be an interesting episode. Oh, her, so, huh? Uh-huh. Um, Oprah. I wish. <laughs> that would be awesome. How about... Uh, if anybody knows Oprah, Whoopi, we would be Whoopi interested Goldberg? in interviewing no. her. Or Whoopi. We could interview uh, Whoopi, too. <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, you know, but yeah, I know it was kind of an odd thing to talk about. It different. It was different, but it literally, it, it did. It hit me the other day, and I was walking along, and I was looking at that row of sleds, and I think at the at the Mora in the entry, there there's like, I don't know, maybe 15 of them mm-hmm. or something, and I'm, they're all different. I got looking at them, and I says... There's got to be an interesting history behind yeah. these things. Well, the whole thing is off-road. It is. I mean, it, you know, th- this is the evolution of what eventually became, you know, the snowmobiles and all that whole cult following. True. And I, and I know we had originally talked about doing like a whole winter type of vehicle, but mm-hmm. I think we need to do more of a winter wheeling episode, talking about prepping for winter trips with your, say, Jeep or something. That works. Um, and then I would in the future like to do a history of, say, the Tucker Snowcat and maybe mm-hmm. the history of snowmobiles because um, I don't know if I mentioned to you or if you ever saw the pictures. I did get the opportunity last winter to tour the, um, I think it's called the National Snowmobile Museum, and it's up in mm-hmm. the upper peninsula. I remember discussing it with you. Yeah, so I think that'd be something to talk about yeah. separately, really. And uh, that would be pretty cool. But, um, you know, we I know normally we do our, like, 4x4 four four news uh, section towards the beginning of the show. We didn't mm-hmm. do that this time. You got anything in 4x4 four four news you want to talk about right now? Uh, one little bit of news I found. Mr. Chad shared from Silver Sport Transmissions on his Facebook page for Quick Draw Brand that there is a Jay Leno build that they're using a Quick Draw Brand adapter on. I saw that. That is pretty yeah, cool, isn't it? They're adapting a Tremec TR4050 to a Mustang GT500 engine. In an old Bronco, right? I didn't see what the vehicle was, just a picture of the chassis and the list of uh, the drivetrain on it. But yeah, he's got a picture of it, and you can see his adapter and Jay Leno in the picture. It's pretty cool. Do you see the picture he got with Jay Leno? No, I didn't yeah, see that one. Him, he got to meet Jay Leno as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I, I did have one bit. I'm trying to pull it up hey, real quick here. You, well, while you're doing that, yep. you know um, that my mom actually has another connection with Jay Leno. Oh. Yeah, years ago... One of the uh, companies that she owns, ABC Septic, mm-hmm. ran. I don't remember what it said in the ad, but they had a pretty funny ad that was in the Thumbprint News, which our listeners know the Thumbprint News is one of our advertisers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've heard ads for Thumbprint News, but there was a, a pretty funny ad in the Thumbprint News, and it somehow made it onto the Jay Leno show. That's awesome. So, yeah, there was a bit. He did a whole held up a, the Thumbprint News. That is and, so cool. I never knew that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, uh, this, uh, so this isn't really news. This is more a comment. I got a message from a gentleman today on an item I'm selling on Facebook Marketplace. It's a Dana 30 ring and pinion. Okay. The, the questions didn't make sense. Is you know, will this fit any model Dana 30? Is this a front or a rear? Like, well, I mean, it's, it's a Dana 30 front. It'll fit a Dana 30 high pinion front axle. Yeah. Because, oh, so it won't fit my 1966 Tapco Pony Express. Uh, there's another name for it. Uh, Mail... Mailster, what? Yeah, it's a Pony Express Mailster. Is this guy messing with you? Nope it's it's a real vehicle. 
What the heck is that? <laughs> this vehicle made in the 60s, and it had a very short span. They, a guy was contracted to make, I believe it was like 65,000 of them or 35,000 of them. After they made 350, they ceased production. It was a three-wheel drive mail delivery truck that was used for delivering mail out in San Francisco. It in was, California. Wait, wait, wait. It was three-wheel drive or three-wheel? Three wheel? wheels. But the rear axle's a Dana 30? So he says. <laughs> I'll say because... Unfortunately, was, I had to recommend it would probably not work. It's it, also the very wrong ratio. Mine's 355. The gear set he needs is 538. Okay. <laughs> well, as far as I know, the Dana 30 was never used in a rear axle application, but I have never heard <laughs> of this vehicle. And you know, I'm I haven't either. So I'm going off what he messaged me on. I just thought it was pretty funny. I, I think it's, that it's, really cool. is. it's weird, but it's cool. John, can you share this this article on 4x4Talk or something for yeah, our Yeah, I listeners? found one a little bit different, but uh, I'll share that link on there. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm actually going to hold this over here to our guest who's yeah. still sitting in studio listening <laughs> to us. What a weird... It's a goofy-looking car. It's a very weird-looking yeah. vehicle. Um, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming up uh, in four museum minutes um, and 4x4, unless you have other 4x4 news... Or anything? Well, winter's finally here. Pegasus had a heck of a time no, you, trying to you, start you, today. You pronounced winter is uh, here. I don't know what the word finally means. It's a sound of joy and excitement. <laughs> I don't know I mean, the engine that. doesn't like it, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. Well, what's one of those we'll just have to agree to disagree Yeah, I guess, here? I guess, buddy, I guess. Um but uh, yeah, no. So your vehicle, doesn't, Pegasus, doesn't like the cold. No, she's uh, very hard starting the cold. Hmm. A diesel from the eighties. So yeah. yeah, Project Excursion's doing all right with the cold. But that's good. That's good. I'm still uh, talking to the insurance company about what we're going to do about its little sideswipe issues. So. I don't envy that. No, I spoke it's... a lot with insurance companies at my old place of employment. Yeah, not fun. Not I don't fun. envy you. <laughs> um, Museum minutes tying back into what we were talking about in the beginning. Um, the museum is going to be staged up. We have additional displays coming in mm-hmm. for the uh, Christmas walk events. Can be one of our busiest times of the year. So we should probably try and get that sand rail in before that. Huh? We absolutely <laughs> should. We want to have the museum just absolutely packed with. Uh, yeah, I'll, some- I'll call him again tonight and try and get a hold of him. For any of our listeners that came out to the Christmas walk or to the Mora last year when we opened, um, a lot of our displays have changed. So it's a great opportunity to come out and check that out again. Absolutely. And like we said, do both things at the same time. It's a great time because that way, we, you know, we have had people before say, well, you know, because yeah, they've, they've asked us about the museum. They said, how long do people spend there? Well, you know, most people only spend maybe half an hour at the museum. Mm-hmm. They don't want to drive a long way. Well, if you're driving a long way, now you got something else you can do at the yeah. same time. So, And the nice thing, too, if you have a you know a group that you participate in, be it an off-road club or the yeah, I know uh, there's a homebrew club that I sort of associate with, and mm-hmm. you want to have a meeting, get a hold of us ahead of time and have your meeting there. Yeah. Sure. Plenty of places to sit down, discuss your thing, and then, uh, you know, check the cars out, the trucks and stuff. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what else you got, John? I mean, was was that about it? I mean, are we... For the moment, uh, Project XJ's kind of frozen out at the moment. I've got to figure out how to heat enough to paint stuff, and so the welding helmet works. No, you like the cold. What do you need the, what do you need the heat for? Paint. And my welding helmet doesn't like to work below 30 degrees. It kind of shuts off while I'm welding, and I can't have that. Mm. <laughs> I value my eyesight more than What if you that. just put some of those hand warmers in the welding helmet? 
I mean, it might work, but... <laughs> Put them on the sensors or whatever. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you don't know about that, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that was fun having another in-studio guest. Oh, for sure. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more in the uh, end of the trail after show, uh, which if people are listening to this and they want to hear more of these types of episodes... Uh, Every week, you know, we, we launch every Monday, but if you are interested in, you just need a little bit more, go over to patreon.com for as little as $2 a month. You can get the end of the trail uh, shows. So listen to those. A lot and, of cool extra content. Yeah, it's a little more laid back. And, you know. Actually, didn't we do a trivia thing on there last couple episodes? A uh, couple ago? Yeah, something I, I, I did you'll, listen you'll to. You'll sometimes get access to uh, special or bonus trivia stuff, too. Yes, you do. So, special trivia. I don't think anybody answered special that Special giveaways, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah. So go check it out. But John, you got anything else? That's all I've got. Do your thing, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody.